Would you open God's precious holy word to John chapter 8? We will finish the chapter and we will start at verse 48. This has been the teaching of Jesus in the temple. We've talked about that. This is the final follow-up. And he is engaged with the Jewish leaders who have opposed his teaching and conspired to kill him. They are the ones who, as Matthew's gospel teaches us, have attributed his power, his miracles, even his teaching to Beelzebub, to the Lord of the flies, the God of filth, a satanic character. Jesus, however, engages them uh, directly. It serves us well to remember that Jesus is the Son of God. He's God manifest in the flesh. Whatever he says, of course, is absolutely true. So we continue here. Verse 48. The Jews answered him and said, Do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? These Self-righteous Jews thought that all Samaritans were demon-possessed. Hopelessly losing the debate, they resort to name-calling. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. Jesus now brings in the father and relies, of course, on the father to exact revenge. The vengeance belongs to the father. So now he brings in the one that has sent him, has sent the spirit to empower him, gives him his word, the word that he gives to us. But I honor my father. And you dishonor me. Now what that means is you're dishonoring the Father. Now I do not seek my glory. There is one seeking it and judging. Christ is saying that all that he has done, all that he says, has come from the Father. His power, his words, his testimony, his very life, his ministry, everything. The Father has sent him. Now, to oppose or to dishonor Christ is to dishonor the Father. To dishonor the Father is to dishonor the one who will glorify his Son. And to dishonor the Father who glorifies the Son means that you will bring the judgment of God upon you. At the end of everything, there can be only one result for every person who ever lives, ever has lived, is living, ever will live. Only one thing can happen to you, and it's one of two things. That one thing is that either you will, of course, honor the son 
and you'll live. If you dishonor the son, you've dishonored the father, you've dishonored God, and you'll be judged. So it's heaven or hell. That's very simple. Christ now warns them of judgment from heaven. Judgment upon all. This is the gospel of Christ, and he's been building it for several verses that we've been looking at. He is everything that we need, and we need nothing else. There is no way we can save ourselves, and he comes, he comes to those who have the law and who have been, been twisted into thinking that obedience to the law can save them. It's not what the law is designed for. It's designed to make us realize how sinful we are, how imperfect so Christ comes to those very ones, and here he is. He comes to his own. And now it continues to develop that Christ presents himself as the only way to heaven. The only way to live forever. There is no other way. Only Christ. So his argument here, or his word, it's not really an argument. The Lord doesn't argue. He just speaks his word. Here comes his word. The father honors, seeks my glory and judges accordingly. So here Christ deepens his word by telling them that all who do not honor the son will be judged by God. All right. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word to keep, Teresa, Teresa, um, to guard, to take it and guard it, to keep it, to, it's yours, it, you've received it. Go back, uh, my word, there it is, log, logon. We started out with logos, this is a form of logos. To go back and remember that word logos. Remember in John 1, 1, in arche in logos. In, in the absolute beginning, the word already was logos. Logos, a word, when one speaks a word, he gathers his, his thoughts and it comes from himself. Therefore, reflecting his wisdom, his emotion, his understanding, his intelligence. So the word of God reflects all of this, you see. God gives the word who is Christ. And now Christ, the incarnate word, teaches the word that is, that is recorded and kept in the scriptures that we have. All right, so he says, the word goes out and here's what happens. Gathered in the thoughts of the one who gives the word, then it is expressed to someone and it, it will never be taken back. I know there's a word, apologia, that comes from the Greek, apology. And the word apo means away from and logos means word, to take the word back. There's no such thing as taking the word back. Once it's gone, it's there. So then what does the one do, it, uh, do with it to whom it is directed? Well, it's accepted or rejected, right? In the case of those who accept it, they keep it. 
They revere it. They guard it. That's the Greek word up there. The last one on the first line. Terese, from tereo, from the root. It means to guard, to protect, to keep. If you keep my word, truly, I, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never, ever see death. And on the second line down, ume, that's a double negative. That's not right in English, but it is correct. It's extraordinarily emphatic, a double negative. And so I translate it, never, ever. Probably appropriately, be not never. We don't say it that way in English. He, the one who keeps, guards, receives the word of Christ, will never, ever see death. Now, this, is, this should be precious to us. I'm going to tell you why. He shall, uh, he shall see. Of course, it's preceded by the double negative. Ume theorese. That means to see. To, to see and to visibly experience. The word goes out from God. It is collectively his, his wisdom, his knowledge, his emotion, his call, the word, Logos, it goes out from God. It is embodied in the Christ. It is proclaimed in the written word. He is proclaimed in the written word. word. Now, this is what happens hopefully from the pulpits of, of Bible-believing churches and from the, from the lips of, of Bible-believing convicted preachers and teachers. And it is to exalt the Christ to teach and preach the gospel, to declare the unfitness of man, the depravity of the human race, the fallenness of the race, totally, absolutely sinful, hopeless, unless God intervenes by grace. Okay, so that's the proclamation at all. The whole Bible, Genesis 1-1 to the Revelation 22-21, and the angel says so in the latter part of the Revelation. The whole Bible, the spirit of prophecy is Christ, Jesus. The whole thing. So Christ is looking at these guys who are rejecting him and they are rejecting the word. They are rejecting the incarnate Christ. There's only one. He became Jesus of Nazareth. He was gloriously resurrected, having died for my sin on the cross, entombed for three days, and now resurrected, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, serving me still as my high priest. He makes the art, he, he died for me. He's keeping me saved, and this is what he has declared, as we see in Hebrews 7. This is his work today. I remember when in the course of time, the spirit of God called me into salvation based upon that which was determined for me in eternity. And I remember that time. I was a boy, nearly 11 years old. I remember that time. Now, I wasn't the embodiment of theology and I'm still not the embodiment of theology, but I knew this much. I was a sinner, I was hell bound, and I would not go to heaven unless I came to Christ as my Savior. And I asked him to save me and I prayed to him to save me. So then, 
What God had determined for me in eternity was worked out in time according to the purpose and the will of God. So then, his word was received into my heart. All of my life, there's not an an instant that I ever doubted the word of God. That should be as so with the life of every believer. I don't understand it. I may not even like it. But I don't doubt it. Sometimes it makes me happy and it thrills me. Sometimes it scares me to death. But I believe it. Always have. Never have doubted the word of God. Maybe couldn't understand it, but that didn't mean it wasn't true. I don't understand E equals MC squared or any of that stuff. So then Christ said, so in my life, I can, I'm, hey, I speak experientially here. The word of God was precious to me in all of my life. I remember having to memorize it as a little kid in Sunday school. Doing those things we had to do on Wednesday nights and all that stuff. It's always been precious to me and there have been verses and stories and parts that I could remember more than others. By the grace of God, I've grown in his word. Now, I have always revered it. And never in my presence has anyone ever called, I can't remember if they did, it would, it would, would, would have a problem with each other. Called Jesus a liar. Or the God of the Bible a liar. I couldn't, st- I couldn't take that. That's, I can't stand it. So then, the word for that I have learned through the years is Tereo, which the form here is Terese, keeps. Now, it's in my heart, I've, by the grace of God, I've been born anew, I've been born again, regenerated from above. That means that I can receive the word and understand it according to the way he is maturing me in my faith. I sure didn't know as that little boy in 1962, I sure didn't know everything about the Bible that I know today. I don't know as much today if God gives me tomorrow or next week or next year and he doesn't come back for me. I don't know as much today as I will then. It is a wonderful experience to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I know this much. I revere his word. I love it. I guard it. I keep it. As pitiful as I am, I try to be a sentinel of the word of God. This is part of discipleship. This is part of who we are called to the Lord. So Christ says, if anyone keeps guards, protects my word, he will never, ever see death. Ferrese. To see. To see death. Now, I know what will happen if I die and the Lord hadn't come back and I hadn't been caught away. This clump of flesh, and for those of you who will serve as my pallbearers, I am trying my best to lose weight. 
Uh, it worries me. <laughs> but, but I can tell you this. There'll be a lump of clay, a big old lump of clay. And they'll do all they can with it to make it look right. <laughs> I had a friend who was a funeral home owner and director. He said, you know, the sweetest words that can be spoken in my ears. I said, no, sir. He said, don't he look natural? I said, well, I think I'd like to look a little better than natural. Maybe Pat will pay an extra hundred dollars and they'll doll me up a little bit. I don't know. Put a wig on me. But here's the deal. When that happens, they're just throwing the lump of clay in the, in the box. But do you know what my Lord has promised me? I will never, ever see death. Oh, come, angel band. Come and around me stand. Bear me away on your snowy wings to my immortal home. I already know what the chief angel, the guardian angel is going to say. When they lift my spirit out of my body, he's going to laugh and say, ain't you glad that's over? <laughs> I'll talk about it on our way. Never see death. I believe the Bible. I believe that Greek word. Man, I believe it. I'm going to tell you why. Because the Jews, and I have it underlined in yellow, they use a different word. My Lord Jesus said, you'll never see it. You'll never see death. The Bible teaches me that at the end of my days, my spirit goes back to God who gave it. And this wonderful transformation, this metamorphosis, I'm somehow, according to the revelation, outfitted to a body or a, an intermediate state. A I'm robed, not resurrected yet, but I'm conscious. Matthew says a group of people that you knew before will be there to welcome you into your eternal habitation. He says that about the bad place, but if it's that good for them, why isn't it even better for me? Gather me to my fathers. That's okay. I look for it. I won't see death. What I will see are the angels who will pull me away and waft me into glory. According to Acts, Jesus himself will stand up to welcome me into that place. Well, okay, I will await my resurrection. I have a lot of people on that. They're, they're waiting. They're, just like I'm waiting to go, they're waiting to get their bodies. They know that they are not glorified yet. They are outfitted. They can think. They can ask the Lord questions according to the revelation. They can, they can see each other and know each other. But they're not all that they're going to be until the resurrection. Now, this is the promise of my Jesus. If anyone keeps my word, he will never, ever, double negative, very emphatic, never, ever see death. 
Therefore the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my words, he will never ever taste of death. That's a different word. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to use Bible memory, maybe you ought to do it right. Um, there it is. Gusete. As opposed to, shall see, uh, as opposed to, uh, opposed to, ferese. Two different, two different words completely. My body will experience its end. It's appointed unto man once to die. And I don't know, I may be in a coma. But I'll be seeing something. I could be here all day talking about the experiences that I've had at the bedside of those saints who were dying. And then I'll see something else. When the physical strength is gone, the spiritual strength is unrestrained. So Christ makes this promise. If anyone keeps my word, he will never, ever see death. Now you may dread the way the end comes. I, I've told Pat, this is crude and I don't care. If I reach into the age where other people are wiping my rear, I've lived too long. That's just, I'm sorry, that's, you know. And I, I, hey, that's not my call. That's the Lord's call. My parents didn't have that privilege. A lot of folks I know didn't, I don't know. I'll have to experience it. Physically, but in my existence, I'll never see it. I will go from life to life. I'll step through a door from one realm into another. And I will go from this life and step into the intermediate state, be in the presence of Christ and await my resurrection if I haven't been raptured. And I'm sure we'll talk about it all the time. Those of us who are there. Now, that's the promise of Jesus. He will never ever see death. Therefore the Jews said to him, we know you have a demon. If anyone keeps my words, he will never ever taste of death. It's not what Jesus said. Surely you're not greater than our father Abraham who died, are you? Oh, they shouldn't ask that question. And the prophets died who do you make yourself? They're not listening to Christ. Christ doesn't make himself to be what he is. The Father sent the Son. So they haven't been listening, of course, to Christ. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. 
it is my father glorifying me. So it's in the, it's in the present future. In other words, he's going to keep, I keep getting glorified. In John 17, we'll get there someday. Jesus prays the prayer, Father, give me the glory that I had with you from before the world ever was. To glorify him in his resurrection, to see his glory in the ascension, to note his glory as John did in the revelation, hair like wool, eyes like fire, feet like brass, shining brighter than the sun itself, girt about with gold, enthroned in a place that is encircled by an emerald rainbow before whose presence is the crystal sea and from whose throne flows the river of life. This is the glory of the Christ by whom you say he is our God. It's my father glorifying me. You claim him as your God. So Jesus is, I mean, you know, you can parenthetically think in your mind. So Jesus said, why don't you ask him who I am? And you have not known him, but I know him. Now, that's two different words in the Greek, know and know. To know here with uh, the Jews is, is a word that means you don't recognize him. You don't know. You don't recognize him. Agnoskete. But the word Jesus uses is oida. I know him exactly. I've seen him. I've been in his presence. I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced in that he saw my day and was glad. At least three times in Genesis, Abram and then Abraham saw the day of Jesus. Genesis 15, when God put Abram into a deep sleep and gave to him the covenant. The covenant is meaningless without the Messiah, the Christ. Genesis 18, we talked about that one last time, I think where the Lord and two of his angels came and they had a meal, promised the birth of Isaac, and then the Lord told Abraham that he was going to send his angels to destroy the cities on the plains. So he saw him. And then in Genesis 22, it was on the third day that Abraham carried Isaac up to that place to kill him. On the third day, he saw him afar off. Hebrews 11 tells us Abraham would do whatever he had to do, even to the point of killing him, knowing that if he killed him, God would raise him up from the dead. Yes, he saw the day of Christ and he was glad. Therefore, the Jews said to him, 
You are not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. Jesus is 33. How would you like that? They called you 50. You look about 50. First time I took my boys to a haircut. Old brother Lewis said to me, oh, you, you brung your grand boys to get a haircut. <laughs> well, I was about, what, 30 something. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's, it's, it's very difficult being married to a woman who everybody thinks she's your daughter or, you know. <laughs> well, there's, <laughs> there's Jesus. He's about 50 years old. No, he's not. You're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, here it comes. Wait for it. Before Abraham was, I am. Exodus 3. Moses, the burning bush. The Lord God Almighty, take your shoes off, your own holy ground. Now go and tell them. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Whom shall I say has sent me? You tell Pharaoh, I am that I am sent you. Yahweh. Mm. Here he is. And he claims it. Don't ever let anybody tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God. Here's why. Before Abraham was. You see that word was there? Geneste, it's in the, what's called the aorist tense. And the aorist tense means that it was an effective action that happened. It happened. But it's in the aorist middle, which means it happened. And that like this, he's not going to be like that anymore. Now, he'll be in the resurrection, but he was, he was, he was, he was that and that's it. But Christ does not apply the same verbiage to himself. Abraham was, I am. That's God. Here it's in the, it's in the, um, it's in the perfect, make sure I get it right. He says, Ego I me, Ego I me, I am, I me. Okay. It means being in the perfect active. He act, the subject act, if it's in the act, it, he acts upon himself and being in the perfect means that it's always that way. You can't change it. Now, Abraham, you can't say that. doesn't say that, but Abraham was, that's it. His bones were somewhere out there. But Christ says, I am. I am. They kept at him and kept at him. And kept at him until finally he says, look, you knuckleheads, you're not listening to me. I am. Phew. That's it. Therefore, they took up stones 
that they might cast them at him. But Jesus hid himself and went forth out of the temple because his time had not come. About six months it will. So here you see Jesus now goes out of the temple. Remember, it all started with the Feast of Tabernacles. You remember that? So now Jesus goes out of the temple. The only way that you can wrap, wrap your head around the truth that God Almighty became a man, humbled himself to a cross and took upon himself the sins of his own so that we might never ever feel guilt, that we might never ever have the punishment upon us, the punishment of sin. Because we took our debt, he paid it. And so he became our sin, we became his righteousness. His righteousness covers us. That's forever. That's a thing that has been determined from all time. It's forever. So Christ then declares, how are you going to, how are you going to say something against the one who not only has proven with his miracles, but declares with his absolute word that he is very God of very God. Even the disciples won't understand all of this until after his death, burial, and resurrection. And today he has ascended. Someday, soon, I think, he's coming again. This is my Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came into this world to save sinners. So we are called in the Bible. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus. Call on him to save you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you feel the call of God in your life, you sense it in your spirit, in your heart. It's an unmistakable thing, the conviction of God. In just a moment, we'll be dismissed. We have deacons and, and wives waiting to talk to you about salvation just across the hall as you exit in those rooms. You'll see them. Maybe you're here. You've already been saved. You want to come and be a part of Shiloh in the way that we receive members. They're there to talk with you about that as well, to answer your questions and to pray with you. As you exit, this is how we handle our invitation. You step into those rooms and they will discuss these things with you and, and pray with you. For right now, let's all stand together, okay?